Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Shattered Lives, a lively, educational, and issues-driven radio show designed to tell another side of the story, to focus on and humanize crime victims, to enlighten and shine the spotlight on organizations and service providers, and to assist those who walk the path with us. This is Donna Argor, a.k.a. Lady Justice, your host, with my co-host, Delilah Jones, president of ImaginePublicity.com, Welcoming you this Saturday and every Saturday for um, Enlightened Radio Show um, with issues surrounding primarily the aftermath of uh, crime, telling you the issues and the backstory of those people who are often forgotten, um, those people that we try to humanize. And today is no different. Uh, We have a very important show this Saturday, and we are focusing on um, cold cases in the state of uh, Virginia um, that are featured with our um, sister facility, uh, our sister nonprofit, the Q Center for the Missing in Wilmington, North Carolina. And uh, we have two state coordinators with us that I will bring in very shortly. Uh, we have Sean White and Madonna Lane who um, are going to help us showcase Um, a very important issue that has to do with cold cases um, in the state of Virginia. And uh, before we get into this specifics, I want to say good morning to Delilah from Myrtle Beach and I want to say that I I safely arrived back in Connecticut and um, it's nice to be back home, but again, it was very nice to be in South Carolina and have, have the company and the exposure to all of my friends there and uh, got many things accomplished, but it's back to it's nice to be back in the shadow, uh, saddle on uh, shattered lives, and to be hosting this very important show today. So, just wanted to say good morning, Delilah, and um, uh, glad to have you with us. And I'm so glad that we're showcasing the queue again. Well, thanks for the intro, Donna, and it was it was just great to have you here and and be able to work together one on one. Um, it's been a busy two weeks with clients here in Myrtle Beach, so <laughs> I'm ready for a break, so to speak, and get back into other things. And uh, and one of those things is our involvement with Q Center. And we not only have two state coordinators, we have four state coordinators on the line because you are the state coordinator for Connecticut, and I'm one one of many here in South Carolina. But I've got to say that Team Virginia is 
it in my book. Um, you know, all throughout Q and in many, many states across the country, we have so many good people who volunteer their time, who put together vigils, who advocate for the families, who do so many good things. And I just want to tip my hat to Team Virginia and Madonna and Sean, yes. especially because you're here today. Yes, well, thank absolutely. You. And thank you so much for being here, and thank you for reminding me. I mean, sometimes I just I just forget because it's just kind of part of what we do. And so we do have four coordinators there. So it's it's wonderful. It's wonderful to have you. And thank you, thank you so much for your dedication. Everybody in the Q Center, I want to say that. And to Monica, and I'm I'm sure she appreciates this as well. And we're going to try to do a high quality show as always. And and talk about those people that don't that don't get the exposure. And um, I, so I think uh, before we get into mm-hmm. the nitty gritty, we'd like to talk about the fact that maybe the various and sundry reasons as to and and this pertains to other states as, as well. It pertains to people here in Connecticut and, and, and South Carolina. It doesn't matter if you're in a wealthy state in a poor state. There are many many people out there who go missing who are, are are just not brought up in the um in the media because there's not something sensational going on. Um the family is in high profile for some reason, they're of minority status. Um uh, maybe they themselves have had what we call a checkered past. Um uh, very uh, maybe they've had problems with drugs. Who knows, but it does not get away from the fact that they deserve they deserve a, a full out court press effort in finding them. And we have we, we, we couldn't have two better people kind of on the hunt to help create this awareness than Sean and Madonna. And so I just want to again tip my hat to you. And perhaps Sean, since we conceived this idea with you, and I know you're a little under the weather today, so we're gonna have Madonna kind of pick up some of the slack as well. Um can we just start off by talking a little bit about the um, the climate there in Virginia with regard to missing cases and maybe the reasons why? So, Sean, if you'd like to take it, or, or Madonna, either one of you, uh, what would you like to say just kind of as an overview? Well, first, I just want to say thank you for having us on here to talk about these cases today because... Um, as as Monica is often quoted saying, every missing person is somebody's child. And that is something we all take very much to heart. Um, No matter what the background or the circumstances, the gender, the age, um, the SES, everybody matters. And I'm really happy that we're able to talk about some of the registered Q cases that we have here in Virginia um, on the show today. I wish there was time to talk about every single one of them and and all the other missing persons here in Virginia because, unfortunately, we have quite a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. I think for whatever reasons we have when when people go missing, um, trying to get the story out to media is is crucial, and that's something that we've really worked a lot on in the past couple of years here in Virginia, and... um, We've been very successful working with media in, in this past year in, in featuring some of these colder cases. Um, however, you know, in the past and in, in some cases still today, when somebody goes missing and it's a, a male or an older female, um, 
you know, whatever the, the demographics may be that don't grab media's attention, their story doesn't get shared as much. And so that's kind of one one of the reasons we want to focus on these cases in particular today. Right. Um, and that's true. Uh, um, Donna, would you like to follow up with any comments with regard to that? Well, like Sean said, you know, there are many different reasons why these cases don't get picked up. And a lot of times it is based on the gender of the person that is missing. We have several missing men cases in Virginia and throughout the country of young adult males or older adult males who have gone missing. And because they are men and there just seems to be a preconceived notion that a man can take care of himself and, you know, they don't get picked up by the media as being as important or as, I want to say, that there's not an um, immediate need to solve the case because a lot of times you hear, oh, well, they'll turn up, they're missing because they want to be missing. They, you know, they needed to get away or something like that. And the thing that's really important is that the families know these people better than anyone. Mm -hmm. And if you have a family member that tells you it is uncharacteristic for my loved one to leave for this length of time without telling me where they are or checking in with me or that, you know, this person may have, you know, may leave occasionally, but they never stay gone this long or they always call and check in. You need to take that seriously. And unfortunately, I don't think that happens a lot of times in missing adult cases. Right. Yes. Well, let, let me just throw this out there. Maybe this is a little provocative, but you know that we work hand-in-hand hand with um, Help Save the Next Girl, the Morgan Harrington um, group that is is just a stellar organization and does wonderful things. Do you think we need a Help Save the Next Guy organization? I, 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 think, I think we need to focus on everybody matters, no matter if they're male or female or what their age is. Um, Help Save the Next Girl is an incredible organization run by two absolutely outstanding um, people, Dan and Joe Harrington, um, parents of Morgan Harrington. And, right. you know, the resources that they provide, especially their social media, um, is phenomenal. Um, they're an incredible resource. They truly are. Um, and, and they don't just, you know, showcase girls. Um, right, they, they do have you know, they do have males or or children right. as well sometimes, but right. again, it's never it's never enough for the volume of cases. And again, right. like you say, I don't think people realize the volume of of males that are missing. If you go on the Q Center's website and you go into other states, I mean, I maybe it's oh, even yeah. over fifty percent. I mean, I just don't know. I've never it, it is I've never easy. added it up. If you if you look at the statistics, um, I, I think it, it's almost dead on equal for both males and females, and and not just males. Again, the issue here is is older adults as well. Um, we have se- several you know females or older females that are missing that also do not gain the attention that they deserve, such as Bonnie Santiago or or Janet Renee Fields. Uh, Janet was, it just doesn't is, seem to be as much of a sense of urgency with right. some of our adult, older adults that go missing or our men that go missing as there is, of course, you know, of course with a young child you're going to have that sense of urgency right. or with a younger teenager. But when it comes to an adult, there just doesn't seem to be that urgency with law enforcement or the media to try to come to a resolution with their cases. 
And why is that, do you think, if you had to speculate? Truly, I think that you, and I've heard this several times from law enforcement, and I'm not going to bash law enforcement at all because they do a lot, And but there's the sense that they're an adult, they can do what they want. You know, there's you have to prove that an adult is missing, whereas if a parent comes up and says, my child is missing, nobody questions that because the parent would know the child is not where they're supposed to be. But when right. it comes to an adult, you hear so many times, they're gone because they want to be gone or they're, they've just gone somewhere and they, they just didn't feel like checking in. So there's just not that urgency. I understand. Very good point. You know, they're an adult. You know, they have the autonomy, but yet circumstances play out and you just don't know what people can get caught up in with, you know, without them realizing it or whatever. So I, you know, I think these are very good points. And again, we have to, we have to um, let people know that those people that, uh, let's face it, are not straight. Also, uh, in in terms of sexual orientation, those, those cases don't get the publicity that they need as well. And we need so much education with regard to that as well. And I know we have one one such case that we do want to discuss today. So with that, yeah, with that brief introduction, just scratching the surface, why don't we get into um, a couple of the cases that, or a few of the cases we'd like to present? So, um, Madonna, would you would you like to start with? Uh, sure, and I'm going to go presenting. ahead and start with uh, the Deshad Smith case, if that's okay with you, since you brought up the. Uh, uh, issue of the sexual orientation. Deshad yes. is a transgendered male. Um, his name, he also goes by the name Sage Unique or London. And, you know, Deshad seemed to have a very happy, he was 19 years old when he disappeared back in 2012. You know, he seemed to have a very happy personality. He, very outgoing, very close family. Um <laughs> He was going to meet someone that he had met online at the time of his disappearance. And the area that he disappeared from, is it's, it's a bustling area. This is not a remote area or anything. This is a place where there's lots of people a lot of the time. So I can't help but think that at, at 6.30 in the evening, 7.30, even 8 o'clock, that somebody wouldn't have seen something or noticed something if there was anything amiss in the area. But the uh, circumstances of uh, Deshaud's disappearance was that he was going to meet someone that he had met online. There was a gentleman whose name is Eric McFadden who had spoken to Deshaud on the phone earlier on the day of Deshaud's disappearance. Mr. McFadden had, by his own admission, said that he and Deshaud were supposed to meet that day, but for whatever reason, they did not meet. And police were actually still looking for Mr. McFadden to try to speak with him because shortly after he gave his first statement to the police, he has disappeared and they have not been able to locate him. Don't believe that he's actually a missing person, but just that he has left the area and they haven't been able to track him down. But he's someone that we definitely would like to get in contact with or law enforcement would like to get in contact with to um, ask him some more questions about any so contact he may have had with Todd. This was a friend that was part of the community, um, and he just kind of lost track, and, and he's not aware that that this went on. I mean, do, do you know? No, he you is know. aware. From what I understand, he, he is aware. aware of what happened. He he knows what happened, 
and he may have more information to give us. He may not. He's not considered a suspect or a person of interest. He's just someone that the police want to speak with because he was one of the last people that they've been able to determine through cell phone records that did have contact with Deshad on the day that he disappeared. Now, they, tell us with regard under- to appearance and what the what stage um, he was in regard to to trans uh, transitioning. Deshad actually identified both as male and female. Um, usually depending on whether he was with family or if she was out with friends. Um, and I know that, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, actually Eric and Deshad had a uh, on-again, off-again um, relationship. Intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, when the police contacted Mr. McFadden to ask him if he could come in, um, he said that he would be there, and then he never came in and has not been seen since. Um, I, my understanding is that Sage had um, gone down to Main Street to meet with somebody and was actually dressed in his house clothes, um, you know, a sweatshirt and um, pants. And from from what I get from his grandmother, Miss Cookie, uh, Lolita Smith, who is a, a warrior for Sage, um, Whenever Sage went out, whether male or female, um, in attire, he was always dressed to the nines completely. Um, would not leave the house unless everything was as as a perfect. female that you're talking right. about. But, but Actually, when he went missing, a, he was dressed too. as a male. Correct, okay. and not just dressed as a male, but he was dressed in house clothes. He wasn't. The the thought there would be that he was going to meet somebody he was comfortable seeing. Um, you know, somebody he was very familiar with. Uh, yeah, the police just, report just says he's wearing sweatpants and a jacket, scarf. So, I mean, just dressed for the weather, basically. And, and basically mm-hmm. planning on just running to meet somebody and then coming back, um, not going out. Uh, so and where, I, I, where was this? Was this a restaurant or a parking no, lot or what? This was Main Street in Charlottesville, um, right in front of the Amtrak uh, train station. Um, the train so station. He, yeah, he was actually seen by, I believe, a roommate's sister um, and talked to her briefly and said that he was waiting to meet someone and she was the last person to actually see him there on the sidewalk. Okay, so it was someone that was coming into town or or was there like a coffee shop there at the train station or something? Uh, it's a whole long, it's Main Street in Charlottesville, so there's you know many restaurants and stores and um, cafes and everything along there. So, again, that's, that's the problem not only with, with Sage's case but with many of the other cases. There's not a lot of info to go on from that point. There were no surveillance films to look at. There was nobody else who saw her. Um, so, it, you know, there's not a lot for law enforcement to go on or for family to, to know of the situation from that point on. And I've, I've had the honor and absolute pleasure of becoming um, very close with his grandmother, Miss Cookie. And um, she's, she's shared so much about Sage and, and her life and the smile. Uh, <laughs> Sage's smile, it, when you look at a picture of Sage, it, it just jumps off the page at you. And um, I've, I've talked with former coworkers, people that knew Sage um, when they worked together at one of the local grocery stores and everybody says the same thing, that, that Sage could walk into a room and the entire room would light up um, as soon as she smiled. Um, you know, that she was just 
had so much humor and, oh. and loved to make people laugh. Just an absolutely beautiful, beautiful person. So was was Sage very connected with with people in the uh, LGBT community? As as the police spoken i mean how i I imagine in Charlottesville there's a fairly large community there what what were the police doing you know with in terms of the latest up in terms of the last activity that they were doing what kind of information would they need um I know that the only thing that that they were able to do they did do a search of a a landfill in Henrico County a few weeks after Sage went missing. But other than that, they've just not had any information to work from. Um, and you There's know, no other friends that they, that the police has learned about through the grandmother that that Sage had, had in contact had been in contact with. I, I know that the the grandmother has you know talked with law enforcement a lot over the past almost three years now, um, and mm-hmm. and that, that they've really pushed to try to get some forward movement in the case. And for whatever reason, that hasn't really happened. And so that's why we've definitely tried to um, to get her, her story out there. We'll be doing an event for uh, Sage's three-year anniversary on November 20th um, this mm-hmm. year, um, along with her family as well. Uh, what, what, what is, the, what is the, the theory from law enforcement as to what may have happened, or do they know? Um, this is it's not something where um it's believed that she just picked up and left. Um mm-hmm. she had just signed a new lease on her very first apartment in, in the weeks before going missing. Um, according to Miss Cookie, she was extremely excited and happy about being independent and being on her own and having her own place. Um, ready to start the next chapter as a young adult in her life. Um, and, and, you know, she was in contact with her grandmother constantly, um, all the time. And so that's, you know, you're looking at almost three years now where not only has she not been seen, she's not been heard from, there's been no communication, where communication was something that happened every day between her and Miss Cookie. So it's, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't seem to be something where she just picked up and left. Have have the police been in touch with the uh, LGBT community leaders in Charlottesville with regard to trying to generate other leads? I'm sure that they have. I, I don't know the specific circumstances of what they've done with the case as it is continuing to be ongoing. But um, mm-hmm. you know, I, Well, I, I have a contact here in Connecticut that I'm hoping that you, you can connect with with regard yes. to this, but I'm wondering, can you give any information? I'd like to each case that we talk about any contact information if people listening would like to, um, you know, uh, convey any 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 bits of information they may have for each of these people. Is there, are there contact information that you can yes. give us? Yes. The, Go ahead. For, for, for Sage's case, the um, anybody who has any information or. Um, tips of any kind can contact the Charlottesville Police at 434-970-3970 or the local Crime Stoppers at 434-977-4000. Okay. And we also good. have tips for on our Q Center for Missing Persons tip line also at any time. And Correct. that's 910 332 I'm sorry, Correct. say that again? 
I said the number for the Q-tip line is 910-232-1687. And that goes right. to any of our cases that we're going to be talking right. about today. If anyone has tips, right. they can always call the Q-Center and, and leave a tip anonymously or not. Right. And also, I think it's important to mention, too, that each of the missing people that we do discuss today, if you go on to the Q website, each one has a page with, with photos and details of the disappearance and, and um, contact information as well. Um, right. And as much information on the that, that is known. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah people should not be fearful. I mean, at, at, and just, just one other thing, what, what are you planning for the three-year anniversary for this case? And then we'll go on to another one. Uh, working with grandmother Lolita Smith to do an event for uh, Sage's three-year anniversary. Again, that would be November 20th. Um, and so the, the details of that are to be announced, but it's something that we're really looking forward to working with Ms. Cookie and um, his father, Dean, um, and other family members to, to just have okay. uh, an event to celebrate Sage and to raise awareness about her case. And, you're, you're, of course, you're inviting media, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because absolutely. This is one of the cases that, unfortunately, media does not seem to report on unless they are prodded by either an event like what you know we're planning in November, or if we contact them, we it seems to be the we or the family have to contact media. We've had several other cases that have been very high profile in the area, and when they talk about these other cases. Unfortunately, they don't want to talk about Sage's case, and we don't know if it is because of the transgender issue or what, but that's just one of the cases that media just seems to sort of gloss over or ignore, and they don't give it the same coverage that they do with, with people missing from the same area within the same right. time frame, and that that's very bothersome, it's and that's something that really needs to be fixed because, again, you know, this is a person, this is a, a loved one, they have family, they have history in this area, and they're just as important as anyone else, and media really needs to step up and help us out with this and cover these types of cases. Well, absolutely. It's just lack of education and, frankly, ignorance, in my opinion, you know. Um, so let's let's go on to um, to another person. Who would you okay. like to Go ahead. I was going to say, I would think that in, in talking about both Bonnie Santiago and Janet Renee Field, you can talk about the two of them almost together, although their cases are not related. You have two okay. older adult females who went missing only 10 days apart from each other um, from a very close vicinity to each other. Okay. Yeah, with um, little or no media coverage for either case. Correct. Right. Well, what? Which? Who went missing first out of those those two? Renee, Janet Renee Field. She went missing on July second, two thousand fourteen, last year. Um, okay. And the circumstances she, were she found her car was found in a parking lot, but they couldn't. She was last seen by her husband leaving their home, and two days later, her car. She was driving a burgundy, a two thousand ten burgundy Subaru Forester that was located in a park and ride parking lot in Zion Crossroads, Virginia, which is very close to the area where she had lived. Um, inside the car, the law enforcement found her purse, her keys, her cell phone. Um, missing from her purse was her driver's license, all of her cash, and all of her credit cards. 
but there had never been any bank activity and none of her credit cards had ever been used. Correct. And, and, and you think about... Go ahead. No, I'm just... Go, go ahead. I'm just thinking to myself as you're talking. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, with with Renee's case, um, you have her, her husband, Louis, um, her cousin, Bridget Worley, um, her father, um, Ivan, and um, they all very much not only desperately miss her, but have worked very hard to try to get her story out there to the media um, and in in the public's mind not to forget. And, and again, you have a case that has so little information um, about it, and that's it's hard to get media to look at that case because there's not a lot of talk to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So well, that's how, one of the how things. old was she, and what were the circumstances of the last meeting with the husband? Um, she was 49 years 49. old when she disappeared. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you can answer this other question. Right. I, I was just going to say that with um, Lewis, that they had been at home, and um, she said she was leaving to go shopping, and she's just never been seen since. And, again, there's just not a lot to go on at all, other than the fact that she went missing on this day and her car was found on this day and the, the circumstances that Madonna's already mentioned, that's really all there is. Um, yeah, and they, looked them, at the mar- and they looked at the marital relationship there, I'm sure. Yes, yes. Um, Mr. Field has, has been um, cleared of everything, and it's, you know, he, he just wants his wife home, um, you know, and as, as does, you know, her father and, and her cousins want, you know, her home as well. And I one of the things that's, heartbreaking to me in, in this particular case is that her mother um, passed away a few months after um, Renee uh-huh. went missing. And that was one of the things I know that they felt if Renee was out there and knew that her mother was ill and then knew that she had passed away, she would have been in contact. She would have been um, in contact. Correct. What, and I, I believe what on the one-year anniversary, the one-year anniversary this past July, um, law enforcement did make a statement to the press that um, they do believe that she is deceased um, because there's been no contact. There's been nothing that's come up in the past year. Of course, we always keep hope no matter what. Can you tell us a little bit about what, what her what her habits were with regard to activities you like to do and what, what was the area like where, where she was going shopping? I don't know if it was grocery shopping or retail yes. shopping or whatever. What, what were the circumstances surrounding that? Renee was um, someone who typically tended to stay home quite a bit. Um, she was a former nurse who had had a car accident, and since her accident had not been able to be active um, like she used to, they, they used to travel the country and travel the world and go hiking. And since her car accident, she had had to leave her job and stay at home. And basically she stayed home and read her Bible and took care of a, her, her cats and bird watched and and like to do cross stitch and, and needlework and basically would only go out if they were going to get groceries or um, supplies for her flower garden. Um, she really didn't, she wasn't on social media. She wasn't, didn't have a lot of friends outside of, of her family. And um, so for her to go out to go shopping and, and then not come back is, is was very, very concerning. Um, it mm-hmm. wasn't like she was a, a high-risk person. She was very low-risk in her activities. And a very well, quiet, very unassuming type of person and just you know, very sweet to everyone. And 
just not somebody that was going to put herself in a situation where, you know, a dangerous situation. And the other thing is that the park and ride where her car was found, there would be no reason for her to park. This is more of a place for commuters that are going into the city to work to where they can carpool. This isn't something where she's going to park and catch a bus into the town and go shopping. It's not that Oh, it's just a commuter lot that was isolated? Right, it's just a commuter lot. It was right across the road from the Lowe's and the Walmart that she would frequent. Um, it's uh, a, okay. a rural shopping area in, a, in Fluvanna County, um, so it's not like a, a big city or anything like that. It was just, you know, right mm-hmm. off of the, the interstate, just one of the exits off the interstate. Well, can you tell, uh, Madonna, can you tell us a little more about with regard to this car wreck um what in what span of time did she have this? Was she physically disabled? Was she uh, tra- traumatically brain injured as a result of this accident? What kind of challenges did she have? Uh, that is something I'm not 100% sure on. I believe that her uh, injuries were all just physical in nature. I don't believe that she really suffered any mental type of uh, injuries or brain injuries or anything like that. But just in her capacity as a nurse, she just physically wasn't able to continue working in that field because that's a very physically demanding job. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. So I believe that her, her injuries were more physical in nature. And Sean may actually be able to elaborate more on that because there's just, again, there's just not a lot known um, mm-hmm. in that situation. But I don't believe right. that there was anything that, anything else, nothing, you know, physical, as far as medication-wise or medically that would have, you know, caused her to have an issue where she would have maybe become disoriented and just wandered off, like we see sometimes with our older, you know, dementia or people that have had traumatic brain injuries and things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. In fact, a lot of the, the, from my understanding from her husband, a lot of the medical treatment that she was doing was homeopathic, um, all-natural supplements to help with the physical. for her. Uh huh. Right. Wow. Yeah. And, it, um, and interestingly enough, like I said, um, she went missing on on July second. Ten days later, on July twelfth, um, is when Bonnie Santiago went missing um, from Carter's Mountain Orchard. And again, the cases are not related, but they did happen um, in a close time frame to each other. And Bonnie was fifty six years old. And again, like Renee, didn't really truly get a lot of media coverage at the time, as you will often find with older adults. Mm-hmm. And this was right before a major holiday. Was there something that was, I mean, I'm sure everyone has, you know, major plans on July 4th holiday. Were there a lot of um, other people maybe coming into town that normally wouldn't have been there? I think, um, well, with Bonnie's case, she went missing July 12th, so it was after the 4th of July holiday, but again, okay. it is July, it's summer. Um, Bonnie right. was at a at a party at her boyfriend's house um, with um, a couple of dozen other people. Um, and, and he actually lived on Carter's Mountain Orchard in Albemarle County. And uh, she went missing approximately at 1 o'clock in the morning, they believe, was the last time she was actually seen. And um, from her family, we've heard that Bonnie was very much afraid of the dark. So it wasn't something like she would have just walked off into the dark. Her vehicle was still there. Her her belongings were in the vehicle. Um, the vehicle was actually uh, not working um, at the time. And, um, again, there's not a lot of information to go on other than 
she was at the orchard and then she hasn't been seen since. Well, she was last seen at 1 a.m.? Mm-hmm, correct. What What was she doing at that time in, 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 you said in, in an orchard? Well, it's a, it was a, a house within the orchard, one of the workers there at the orchard that lived on the property and, and was a caretaker at the orchard. It was her boyfriend, and she had been staying with him. Um, and, again, there's just, you know, not a lot to go on. She has um, a very, very large family, um, mm-hmm. uh, several siblings and, and children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, and uh, her family has, you know, done everything they can to continually carry on her story and share it with the public and get her, her name and her photo out there. In fact, her one of her family members, Lois Roberts, uh, Sissy Roberts, has actually, she she started going to events for missing persons within a week and a half of Bonnie going missing and meeting with other families and has since gone on to become one of our state directors here in Virginia as well. Um, wow. Yeah, she's that's true. An amazing advocate, amazing advocate who who not only um, shares Bonnie's story but shares everybody else's story, and works very closely with with family members because they can relate um, to each other having gone through the same journey. Mm-hmm. And Donna, I'd like again, to go back to one of the ahead. questions that you had asked a few minutes ago about uh, new people being in the area because of the time of the year it was, and actually right. that is something that could be considered. Um, at least in Renee's case, because, you know, we live down here in Virginia, and we're a bit of a hot spot for tourists, especially in the summer, just because of the history of Virginia and, you know, the Charlottesville area, Williamsburg, and things like that. We get a lot of tourist traffic through here. And, right. you know, although Janet, Renee's uh, area that she went missing from isn't a big, quite the big tourist hot spot, it's a stop on the road along the way to get yes. there. So, yes, there could be very... You know, in uh, in July, in the summer, in Virginia, there are tons of tourist activity and lots of people that could be in and out that wouldn't normally be in these areas. And as far right. as the uh, orchard is concerned, the orchard is a big place where the locals go to in the, in the fall for apple picking and, you know, to get that experience to connect with nature. But at the time of year that Bonnie disappeared, that wouldn't have been used for that that purpose at the time. So, you know, just that, for there to be a lot of strangers up in that area, that's not very likely. So that's not likely that time of night. Yeah. Well, I'm another sorry. thing stri- strikes me when you, you were saying that is that, you know, with uh, her car being in a commuter lot and then going back to Sage at a train station, why don't these places have security cameras? You know, I mean, or, or were, were there in any of these cases? You know, there weren't? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there there may have been something up on Carter's Mountain. I know in Sage's case there were not any at the time, and that's something that I think Charlottesville has um, addressed frequently is is surveillance cameras, whether it be um, businesses having their own or the city putting in surveillance cameras along these areas. Um, But that's an ongoing discussion. Right. Another thing that we deal with here, too, is some of these areas are very rural rural areas. And, and you're not- I know, you know, I feel like I live in a very safe community. It's a small town, you know, um, away from everything. So it's it's sort of the mindset of, among a lot of people, well, that's only a problem for big cities or that's something, you know, somebody else has to deal with. We don't have to deal with it here. 
and they don't think about it until something like this does land in their backyard, unfortunately. And then it's, um, you know, it's too late to do anything at that time because the person's already gone or the crime has already been committed. But I know in the Scottsville area uh, where Janet Renee Field went, lives, you know, it's a, it's a very small, quiet community, and mm-hmm. everybody just feels safe. You know your neighbors. You don't always lock your doors. You may not always lock your cars. And it's different than the mindset you might have in a big city or a bigger town. Well, and that always doesn't apply to because that was a huge thing with the Morgan Harrington case, case at the at the stadium, you know, and that they didn't have adequate surveillance there too. So it does, you know, to say, oh, it's a safe rural community. It doesn't. Yes, what you're saying is true, but then it can happen at this, you know, big multi-billion-dollar right. place as well. So that needs to be said. So, Ryan, what strikes you with regard to, I mean, big, we're in that age range where we're older women. Uh, what strikes you with regard to the, the tenor of the conversation with, with these older women? I mean, you know, I just kind of get the willies when, when I, this needs to be brought out. It's not just the 22-year-olds in college, you know. Well, I think, you know, the older we get, the more vulnerable we get physically, mentally, and in yes. a lot of different ways. So we we become a little more targeted, I believe. And it looks, it sounds to me like in both of these cases, money or robbery really wasn't the issue. Um, yes. Right. You know, I, I don't know how to speculate on either one. I just think it's very odd that both of them went missing in close proximity and also in the same time of year. So it, you know, it's, it's, difficult for us to speculate as let alone officers with law enforcement to gather information when there's just nothing out there to give them to go on. Right. Right. Have they speculated on the fact that it could be a a serial killer for these two cases? No, there's 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 no connection between these two cases. There's there's nothing with regard to that. Yeah. Give us um but a little bit more background with regard to what, what Bonnie did as a person, what were her likes and habits, and, and okay. some contact Bonnie, information with regard Bonnie to that. Bonnie had seven children. She has 14 grandchildren. And Ooh. I know she wow. had at least one great-grandchild. There's been a child born for disappearance. Yeah, so, you know, she she came from a very big, very involved family. And, and as Sean said earlier, you know, her, her um, daughter-in-law, Sissy, is now involved with us here in Virginia as one of our state outreach coordinators. And mm-hmm. in talking with her, their family is still very close and very involved, uh, lots of family activities all the time. So this, mm-hmm. you know, this, was, her, this, was, this was her world. Her world was her family. Yes. And she was She's not go off and just leave without anyone else knowing where she was or what she was doing. They were just too close, too tight-knit of a group to – to have something like this happen without contact of some sort. And yeah. then she well, was she was the matriarch of this family, the glue that held this family together. And that like she Madonna just said, her family is her world. So to have a new great grandchild that's been born, to have um all these life events that have taken place just in this past year that she's been missing, she she would never have missed any of these things um, or been out of contact with her family. She was constantly in contact with them. She took care of them and, and helped them in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. So for her to be gone, that it, it's just, 
beyond out of character this, for her. Right. Can you give some contact information with regard to any, you know, if anyone has any tips to call in? Yes, for Bonnie, um, anyone who has any tips can call the Albemarle County Police Department at 434-977-9041 or Crime Stoppers at 434-977-4000. And then with Renee, um, anybody with any information can contact the Fluvanna County Sheriff's Office at 434-589-8211. That's good. Well, you know, just to give you a little time stretch, we, we, we have about, 60 minutes or, or, or so left of our show yes. for today. But with the remaining time, um, uh, another case, I mean, we've, the information we've gotten, we have several here. Uh, I'll leave you as to who you would like to discuss, maybe that hasn't gotten any publicity, whether uh, it be um, Chris or someone else. Both Chris and, and Dwayne, uh, Chris, Christopher Dalsett and Dwayne Chick. Um, okay. Dwayne, uh, they just had um, in July the 10 year anniversary of Dwayne being missing. Um, his father, Virgil Chick, has come to many of our events to share Dwayne's story um, and his photo, and he, he's an amazing, amazing person. Um, mm-hmm. Dwayne went missing on July 25th, 2005, from Rustburg, Virginia. He was there visiting his dad. Um, he's actually from Cumberland County, um, and he had met someone um, online, a female online, and my understanding is that they had left together and then gotten into an argument, according to this woman, and um, he was then arrested and uh, released on the 25th. Um, and Was she has also not been arrested? Seen. No, not, not to my understanding. Um, and he has not been seen since he left the the courthouse area where he was released at um, at 7 p.m. that night and has not had any contact with any family or friends in, in over 10 years now. And the and I, circumstances I, of the arrest were that he was drunk and that's why he got arrested? Uh, the official police report that you look at said that um, the charges were drunk in public and profane language. And that was at 9.32 in the morning of the 25th. So he was in custody from 9.32 until 7 o'clock that evening when he was released. Mm-hmm. So Correct. basically it's no- sort of a cooling off, sleep it off kind of thing in the jail right. and, then, and then released later on. And um, were there was there any contact like on a cell phone with other people once he got released or any anything of that nature that they could track? Not to my, my knowledge, no. There's been nothing that anybody has seen or heard from him. There's been no social media activity where we said, you know, he met this woman. uh, He had met her online before he met her Mm -hmm. in person. So there had been no social media contact. There had been no cell phone. Um, He had actually lost his driver's license and his job shortly before his disappearance. And when he went to visit his dad, um, you know, I think it was uh, sort of a, just needing that boost, you know, go talk, when, when you're upset, you go talk to your parents. And so he was you know, visiting his dad to sort of clear his head and, and figure out what mm-hmm. his next course of action was going to be. And um, his dad actually found a journal that uh, Dwayne, and Dwayne's nickname was Kitty, 
K-I-D-D-I-E. He went by Kitty. So his his father, Virgil, had actually found a diary that Dwayne had been keeping where he said that he felt that he was in a downward spiral. So, you know, he was feeling kind of low. He had lost his job. He's young, 33-year-old male at the time of his disappearance. And, you know, just didn't feel like things were going quite as he had planned. Yeah. And again, and his father, by the same token, coverage. said that his son would never have left for that period, long of a period of time without getting in touch with him, that, that he may have gone off for a day or two here and there and not heard from him, but that never an extended period without without some type of contact. And any, any information about his group of friends or so-called friends? I mean, those are all looked at. Right. Yeah. Nothing, uh, um, Virgil spoke with the lady that uh, Dwayne had met online, and, you know, all he got from her was the same story, that they had had an argument and that he had left her residence and she hadn't seen him since. So there's been no information from any friends, any, in, no one. I mean, it's just like he just dropped off the face of the earth, literally. Mm-hmm. And there's very little Why? for the police to go on. There's very little for media to report. And now it's been 10 years, so there's just, yeah. you know, it's Why just Why did he cold. lose his job, do you know? Uh, that I'm not sure of. Yeah. And, and again, wow. here you have a, a male... Um, when you and especially when you have so little to go on, it was just not something that the media ever really picked up on. Um, and so that's again why it's important when we have the events that we do to try to to bring the family in and to share these stories. And you have somebody who's been missing for for ten years, um, and the, there's just nothing out there on him yeah. or about him. Now so. the only other thing that we do know about Dwayne is that he was on medication at the time. He suffered from high blood pressure. And he did take medication daily for that high blood pressure. So he would have medical needs that would have to be met, you know, if he was going to be gone for an extended amount of time. He's going to need sure. to have those medications. And there's never been any kind of activity as far as with physicians or anything. No for pharmacy. Yeah. You know, no pharmacy and, activity or anything like that. And what kind of geographic area was it where he went missing from? And were, were they in a public place when they had this argument and he left? Oh, no, wait a minute. He got out of jail, and then he was last seen at the courthouse? Right. He was last yeah, seen leaving from the courthouse. Right, and this is Rustburg, Virginia. It's just just south of Lynchburg. Um, and where Lynchburg is a, a bigger town, I guess you could say, Rustburg okay. is very small and, and surrounded by a lot of rural areas. So this was, again, um, just like many of the cases that we're talking about today, are, are either very, very small towns or rural areas. Yeah, well, you've got to think that out by a courthouse, they may have had some kind of cameras, but again, didn't furnish any any uh, valuable information. Um, what what kind of uh, contact information do we have? If if anyone, you know, no. has any kind of tips, um, his his detective has has really worked a lot on on this case, um, in conjunction with his parents, um, and that's uh-huh. the Cumberland County Sheriff's Office at eight zero four four nine two. Or one two zero. Okay, very good. Um, we have about ten minutes left of the show. Would perhaps we could talk about another case, and then maybe we can think about maybe doing another one in the near future. Perhaps. Sure. I'd love to talk about Christopher Dowsett. Um, okay. He went missing uh, October twenty fifth of two thousand thirteen from Franklin County, Virginia, um, the Vinton area. 
uh, he had worked, his mother had taken him to work um, that morning, and he had gotten off of work and, and went to meet some people in the parking lot of one of the local food uh, grocery stores there. Um, but then he was last seen at um, a tavern in Roanoke um, at 8 o'clock that night and just has not been seen since. Um, and again, that was October 25th of 2013. Uh, mm. His mother, his mother Mary, um, has, you know, he desperately wants her son to come home, and she's traveled down to our National Missing Persons Conference and shared his story there um, this past March. Um, and I think that was probably the first time he's really gotten any type of, of coverage at all was there at the um, missing persons conference. And then Q had a, um, an event for him just in the last uh, month or two in Vinton to try to raise awareness, um, about his case there locally and, um, was able to get, uh, Cheryl Pagans and Lisa Cowling, two of our other Virginia state directors held that event with his mother and actually had the town of Vinton police department come to that event as well. And that, that got oh, really good, good media coverage as well. So it was nice to see him finally oh, getting some coverage. And Christopher was have... another person. You know, he w- he was working in the community. He had friends. He had a daughter. Young um, daughter. Close to his mother. Yeah, very young daughter. So, you know, th- he wasn't, he, w- he was engaged in his community. He had, you know, he was engaged in his life, 24 years old. Uh, and he's another, there's been no activity on his bank accounts. He could actually cashed his paycheck at the Kroger in Vinton before going off to Chaps Tavern with his friends down in Roanoke. And there's been no bank activity. There's been no social media activity. There's been no cell phone activity, nothing. And for, you know, a young father, he, he, he hasn't had any contact with his daughter. He hasn't had any contact with his mother. And, again, it's just another one of those situations where, by the family's admission, you know, they say this is very uncharacteristic. He would not leave without letting us know, without checking in. He's not someone that's just going to take off and go on his own and not let people know where he is or what he's doing. Was there a vehicle right. that was found in this case at all? or He was supposedly, I believe, Sean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that he left from the uh, tavern on foot because he had ridden there with other people. So I don't know that he actually Correct. had a vehicle at his disposal because his mother had taken him to work, and then he was picked up by friends at the grocery store, and they went together to Roanoke. So he, when he supposedly last left the tavern, they didn't know what direction he had gone in, and he had left on foot. Mm-hmm. I neglected to ask about even with the other cases, are there any particularly like identifying marks or tattoos or special, you know, physical features that we might, I right. mean, we know about Sage, but um, is there anything outstanding with any of these people that we may have talked about with regard to physical characteristics or well, you know, I those know kinds Dwayne, of things? Dwayne Chick, he had uh, scars on the left side of his face, and I'm trying to remember, he had, he had pierced ears, and he had scars right. on the left side of his face. Right. Mm-hmm. And then and Chris had a a tribal symbol tattoo on his upper um, arm, uh, bicep area. And um, yeah, and and so it was, you know, they both have some identifying characteristics, um, unique characteristics like that as well. Mm -hmm. Well, what what kind of contact information do we have with law enforcement about, about him? 
Uh, for Chris, so you could contact the town of Vinton Police Department. Vinton is V-I-N-T-O-N. Their number is 540-983-0617. And then we have Heather Hodges also is missing from Franklin County, um, from the Rocky uh-huh. Mountain area of, of Franklin County, and she disappeared on April 9th, 2012, um, a year before Chris. And here you have a beautiful, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, young mother, um, 22 years of age, uh, but because of a checkered past that she had, she did not get a lot of media coverage and, and particularly did not get a lot of support. Her family did not get a lot of support from the community um, when Heather went missing. And she was last seen um, in her home with, with her boyfriend at the time, and he went to go get some ice cream for her and came back and she was gone. However, all of her belongings were still there, her phone, her car keys, her wallet, um, everything was still there at the house. And he apparently was only gone for 10 or 15 minutes, um, and she disappeared in that time um, and has not been seen since. And she also had a young a young child, a young daughter. Um, and, you know, according to her, her mom and her sister and, and people who knew her very well, um, she is not one who would have left her, her child. Um, or left without any contact with someone at all. Mm-hmm. Um, well, can we ask, even with respect to whatever happened in the past, if it may have been drugs or what, whatever, had she, quote-unquote, made attempts to to clean up her past and she was on a new path? Yes. According to um, Cheryl Pagans, who is one of the Virginia State Directors um, for Q, uh, she has been an active advocate and, and warrior for Heather since Heather went missing. She has a um, indirect family relationship with Heather through marriage, um, and you know that that Heather was trying to get her life back together. And, and um, again, she's a young adult; she's just about to start that new chapter in her life. Um, and she had plans and things that she wanted to do in her future. Um, mm-hmm. So this is, you know, again, not something where she just walked away. Um, right, but people were judging her because of her past. And still do, which, unfortunately. Um, which is very unfortunate. Last year, yeah, Cheryl um, and, and other family and friends were trying to get a roadside memorial um, or stone in honor of Heather and had contacted the, the local um, Franklin County um, Board of Supervisors and were unable to get the county to do so because Heather had a felony in her past. And with that, it goes against the policy that they have. So Cheryl and... and uh, Heather's mom and and sister and, and family have um, gotten together. You're trying to do it privately. They they were able to get a community member who donated a small can put in a garden um, and a bench for Heather, and it's a place that her daughter would be able to come to and and think about her mom as she gets older. And and mm-hmm. that you know again, that's what you have when you have so many people who are missing and the family does not have that resolution. They often right. don't have a place to go um, as well. That's, that's very important to say. You know, and we, we have the queue and we have the annual conference and we have the the road tour and all of that, but, again, there's not enough coming opportunities to come together. That's why we have to say this is so important what the queue does and what all of you do. And I'm, I'm so proud of both of you and for your dedication and what you're doing. And, and I, I thank you so much for, for being here to try to help illuminate these cases and you know, we'd like to continue the conversation, but unfortunately for today, we're just about time to uh, 
to to wrap this up um until perhaps the next time uh, next time in the uh, next time in the near future um do you have any if i could just give some uh if i could just give the contact information for how to sure yes as well. go ahead and that go would ahead. be Frank, franklin county sheriff's office and that number is 540-483-3000 okay that that's that's great um madonna would you like to uh, make any parting comments before D- D- delilah and i do I, I just want to thank you guys for having us on today and just letting us share these cases. Um, it's just so important, not only to us, but to the families as well, whenever we're able to go back and say, you know, this is something else that we've been able to do to try to help keep your family, your loved one's name and, and their story out there until there is a resolution. So uh, thank you very much for what you guys do and for the time that you take. And we definitely would like to be on again when we can work it out because we've got so many more cases we can talk about from okay. Virginia. Well, yeah, and we, we we would like to do this maybe at least monthly because there's so many cases with the queue. And um, so, I, I, again, I, again, I thank you, and I'm going to encourage everyone that listens to this to to circulate it on your own social media because it's Correct. it's not good enough for me just to do a post or, or Delilah just to have it on, on her social media and no one else circulate it. So please, please do. Delilah, and I can add like to, to that. Go ahead. Go I, I'm ahead. just going to add, add real quick. Like we said earlier, each one of the people that we've talked about today have their own page on the Q Center website, and people can go to those specific pages and share right. those pages. And the, the web address for for Q's website is um, www.ncmissingpersons.org. Yes, very very important. So. With that, we're going to have to close out this edition. Delilah, would you like to to have any parting words? Oh, absolutely. I think Sean and Madonna both have done such a fantastic job representing Virginia. Excellent. There's just so many. There's so many. It seems we could do this show every day and still not cover everything we want to cover. So absolutely, we will do this again, and if we can do it on a regular basis, I think it would be most helpful, and hopefully the families will be able to, um, you know, at least know that somebody cares, somebody cares enough yeah, to, to give up their time and to share the information so somebody out there knows something, and that's the only way we're going to get this information out there if mainstream media isn't going to... Um, grab it. We'll do it ourselves. That's true. We we're 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 going to try at least. So yes, I I totally agree with everything that you said, Delilah. And thank you so much again, um, both of you. And we'll be in contact. So we'll we're going to close out this edition, this Saturday edition. And please do uh, remember, it's on the archives for continued listening. And please do circulate. So have a good weekend, everyone. Sean, take care of your health, and we'll talk thank soon, you. everyone. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.